Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, and I'm here today with Chris and Ryan again, and we are in Ezekiel, talking about Ezekiel's vision of the new temple to come. What stuck out to you guys in today's passage? Well, there's a whole lot of measurements. <laughs> Lots of numbers. And maybe even... Where's at, the architects out there? They're like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> maybe even as you're uh, following us going, okay, haven't we already got all these instructions for a temple? Right. Uh, and we have, but that temple was destroyed. Uh, so remember, we want to put ourselves in the shoes of Israel, the shoes of the, this time frame they're in. So mm-hmm. here's a group of people that had just seen the temple destroyed, Jerusalem wiped out. They were taken into exile, and now uh, in the middle of this exile period, they are hearing and seeing this vision that there's going to be another temple. So this would be a source of hope. It would be a, a picture of restoration. It would be uh, just a means of saying, hey, we're, we're not going to remain here forever. Yeah, and so this is this vision that Ezekiel has. He's told very explicitly to take it back to the people and describe it in great detail. All the details that we read in here are supposed to be relayed back to the people in exile, um, and it's supposed to bring them to their knees and um, ashamed of their sin and turn them back to God. Um, yeah, one thing that stuck out to me was that this is the basic law of the temple, absolute holiness. Um, and again, these people would just be like, uh, we can't reach absolute holiness, <laughs> but some hope for what's to come for mm-hmm. them. It's probably good just to know that there are a few different ways that people look at this passage. Uh, some would see this as an actual instructions for a physical temple that they will rebuild when they go back to the land. Uh, other people see this as a little bit more of a symbolic thing that there, there are some things in here that just don't quite work or even seem bigger than what a a physical temple would be. Some see this as pointing towards uh, heaven, pointing towards that spiritual kind of fulfillment. Really smart people think both. So maybe as you're listening to this uh, (laughs) reading, you can kind of go, hmm, you know, what what do I lean towards? But either way, whether it's a physical temple that means that they're going to go to when they're released or a spiritual, eventually heavenly temple, this is a message of hope. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. If you think in terms of the original audience, this is a group of people who have some perhaps actually witnessed the temple being destroyed, um, which was which would be it's lost on us how traumatic that would be. That would be incredibly traumatic, even to evil people who didn't care. Be like, oh, that's like the center of our culture, and mm-hmm. it's gone. So here we have a passage where a prophet is proclaiming, "This is what you will do to build the temple to restore it when you return to your land." Um, to me, it's like a very similar parallel passage to those passages that we've covered much earlier on where the you have a nomadic people that didn't have a land, and now it's like, okay, God's going to call you into this land, and when you get into this land, you'll build a temple, and this is what it'll look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, on that line of like hope, like it, it, it most certainly is. It's God saying like, hey, there, this is not the end. And what's interesting to me about God is, now, this chronological Bible cuts it up a little bit, but it was not that long ago that God's experience with this group of people was having them chained up and hauled into judgment. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's getting back to restoration work pretty mm-hmm. quickly. 
um, which maybe feels like a little bit of breakneck speed for them. It's like, wait a minute, you just drug us away to Babylon and now you're telling us to go back. <laughs> but I think it, it does revol- uh, reveal a little bit the character of God and that there is this tension of, of holiness and restoration where like there is judgment. They weren't honoring God. And now God's giving them a vision that says, hey, return and rebuild and honor God. Yeah. And because God's justice and his love go hand in hand, they don't stay in that judgment period mm. forever. It's yeah. not like they don't just live in judgment for the rest of their lives. God's like like a good parent, like a good father. Exactly. He's like, here's how you can restore yourself. Well, yeah, because if he actually was like this really cruel, selfish, self-centered, like demigod, like why would he talk to him again? Like why wouldn't he just be like, ha, right. done with you. Done. Right. That was me wiping my hands. <laughs> Like the sound effect. Yeah, isn't that how that, is, is that what it sounds like when you wipe your hands? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's just that's what's so great about the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, and again, how you read it is when you read it through eyes of grace and who God is and what His character is, which is how we should read these Old Testament books. What does it say about God? Um, it points back to His grace and His mercy every time. Ezekiel 40, beginning in verse 38. A door led from the entry room of one of the inner gateways into a side room where the meat for sacrifices was washed. On each side of this entry room were two tables where the sacrificial animals were slaughtered for the burnt offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. Outside the entry room on each side of the stairs going up to the north entrance were two more tables, so there were eight tables in all, four inside and four outside, where the sacrifices were cut up and prepared. There are also four tables of finished stone for preparation of the burnt offerings, each 31 and a half inches square and 21 inches high. On these tables replace the butchering knives and other implements for slaughtering the sacrificial animals. There are hooks, each three inches long, fastened all around the foyer walls. The sacrificial meat was laid on the tables. Inside the inner courtyard were two rooms, one beside the north gateway facing south and the other beside the south gateway facing north. And the man said to me, The room beside the north inner gate is for the priests who supervise the temple maintenance. The room beside the south inner gate is for the priests in charge of the altar, the descendants of Zadok. For they alone, of all the Levites, may approach the Lord to minister to him. And the man measured the inner courtyard, and it was a square, 175 feet wide and 175 feet across. The altar stood in the courtyard in front of the temple. Then he brought me to the entry room of the temple. He measured the walls on either side of the opening to the entry room, and they were eight and three-fourths feet thick. The entry itself was 24 and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of the entrance were an additional five and one-fourth feet long. The entry room was 35 feet wide and 21 feet deep. There were 10 steps leading up to it with a column on each side. After that, the man brought me into the sanctuary of the temple. He measured the walls on either side of its doorway. They were ten and a half feet thick. The doorway was seventeen and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of it were eight and three-fourths feet thick. The sanctuary itself was seventy feet long and thirty-five feet wide. Then he went beyond the sanctuary into the inner room. He measured the walls on either side of its entrance, and they were three and a half feet thick. The entrance was ten and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of the entrance were twelve and one-fourth feet thick. The inner room of the sanctuary was 35 feet long and 35 feet wide. This, he told me, is the most holy place. Then he measured the wall of the temple, and it was ten and a half feet thick. There was a row of rooms along the outside wall. Each room was seven feet wide. These side rooms were built in three levels, one above the other, with 30 rooms on each level. 
The supports for these side rooms rested on exterior ledges on the temple wall. They did not extend into the wall. Each level was wider than the one below it, corresponding to the narrowing of the temple wall as it rose higher. A stairway led up from the bottom level through the middle level to the top level. I saw that the temple was built on a terrace, which provided a foundation for the side rooms. This terrace was ten and a half feet high. The outer wall of the temple side rooms was eight and three-fourths feet thick. This left an open area between these side rooms and a row of rooms along the outer wall of the inner courtyard. This open area was 35 feet wide and it went all the way around the temple. Two doors opened from the side rooms into the terrace yard, which is eight and three-fourths feet wide. One door faced north and the other south. A large building stood on the west, facing the temple courtyard. It was 122 and a half feet wide and 157 and a half feet long, and its walls were eight and three-fourths feet thick. Then the man measured the temple and it was 175 feet long. The courtyard around the building, including its walls, was an additional 175 feet in length. The inner courtyard to the east of the temple was also 175 feet wide. The building to the west, including its two walls, was 175 feet wide. The sanctuary, the inner room, and the entry room of the temple were all paneled with wood, as were the frames of the recessed windows. The inner walls of the temple were paneled with wood above and below the windows. The space above the door leading to the inner room and its walls inside and out were also paneled. All the walls were decorated with carvings of cherubim, each with two faces, and there was a carving of a palm tree between each of the cherubim. One face, that of a man, looked toward the palm tree on one side. The other face, that of a young lion, looked toward the palm tree on the other side. The figures were carved all along the inside of the temple from the floor to the top of the walls, including the outer wall of the sanctuary. There were square columns at the entrance of the sanctuary, and ones at the entrance of the most holy place were similar. There was an altar made of wood, five and one-fourth feet high and three and a half feet across. Its corners, base, and sides were all made of wood. This, the man told me, is the table that stands in the Lord's presence. Both the sanctuary and the most holy place had double doorways, each with two swinging doors. The doors leading into the sanctuary were decorated with carved cherubim and palm trees, just as on the walls. And there was a wooden roof at the front of the entry room to the temple. On both sides of the entry room were recessed windows decorated with carved palm trees. The side rooms along the outside wall also had roofs. Ezekiel 42 Then the man led me out of the temple courtyard by way of the north gateway. We entered the outer courtyard and came to a group of rooms against the north wall of the inner courtyard. The structure, whose entrance opened toward the north, was 175 feet long and 87 and a half feet across. One block of rooms overlooked the 35-foot width of the inner courtyard. Another block of rooms looked out over the pavement of the outer courtyard. The two blocks were built three levels high and stood across from each other. Between the two blocks of rooms ran a walkway, 17 and a half feet wide. It extended the entire 175 feet of the complex, and all the doors faced north. Each of the two upper levels of the rooms was narrower than the one beneath it because the upper levels had to allow space for walkways in front of them. Since there were three levels and they did not have supporting columns as in the courtyards, each of the upper levels was set back from the level beneath it. There was an outer wall that separated the rooms from the outer courtyard. It was 87 and a half feet long. This wall added length to the outer block of rooms, which extended for only 87 and a half feet, while the inner block, the rooms toward the temple, extended for 175 feet. There was an eastern entrance from the outer courtyard to these rooms. On the south side of the temple, there were two blocks of rooms just south of the inner courtyard between the temple and the outer courtyard. These rooms were arranged just like the rooms on the north. There was a walkway between the two blocks of rooms just like the complex on the north side of the temple. 
this complex of rooms was the same length and width as the other ones, and it had the same entrances and doors. The dimensions of each were identical. So there was an entrance on the wall facing the doors of the inner block of the rooms and another on the east at the end of the interior walkway. Then the man told me, These rooms that overlook the temple from the north and south are holy. Here the priests who offer sacrifices to the Lord will eat the most holy offerings, and because these rooms are holy, they will be used to store the sacred offerings, the grain offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. When the priests leave the sanctuary, they must not go directly to the outer courtyard. They must first take off the clothes they wore while ministering, because these clothes are holy. They must put on other clothes before entering the parts of the temple building complex open to the public. When the man had finished measuring the inside of the temple area, he led me out through the east gateway to measure the entire perimeter. He measured the east side with his measuring rod, and it was 875 feet long. Then he measured on the north side, and it was also 875 feet long. The south side was also 875 feet, and the west side was also 875 feet. So the area was 875 feet on each side with a wall all around it to separate what was holy from what was common. After this, the man brought me back to the east gateway. Suddenly the glory of the God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters, and the whole landscape shone with his glory. This vision was just like the others I had seen, first by the Kibar River, and then when he came to destroy Jerusalem, I fell face down on the ground, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gateway. And the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I heard someone speaking to me from within the temple, while the man who had been measuring stood beside me. The Lord said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. They put their idol altars right next to mine with only a wall between them and me. They defile my holy name by such detestable sins, so I consume them in my anger. Now let them stop worshiping other gods and honoring the relics of their kings, and I will live among them forever. Son of man, describe to the people of Israel the temple I have shown you, so they will be ashamed of their sin. Let them study its plan, and they will be ashamed of what they have done. Describe to them all the specifications of the temple, including the entrances and exits, and everything else about it. Tell them about the decrees and laws. Write down all these specifications and decrees as they watch. They will be sure to remember and follow them. And this is the basic law of the temple absolute holiness. The entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. These are the measurements of the altar. There is a gutter all around the altar, 21 inches deep and 21 inches wide, with a curb 9 inches wide around its edge. And this is the height of the altar. From the gutter, the altar rises 3.5 feet to a lower ledge that surrounds the altar and is 21 inches wide. From the lower ledge, the altar rises 7 feet to the upper ledge that is also 21 inches wide. The top of the altar, the hearth, rises another seven feet higher with a horn rising from each of the four corners. The top of the altar is square, measuring 21 feet by 21 feet. The upper ledge also forms a square, measuring 24 and a half feet by 24 and a half feet with a 21 inch gutter and a 10 and a half inch curb all around the edge. There are steps going up the east side of the altar. Then you said to me, son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says. There will be regulations for the burning of offerings and the sprinkling of blood when the altar is built. At that time, the Levitical priests of the family of Zadok, who ministered before me, are to be given a young bull for a sin offering, says the Sovereign Lord. You will take some of its blood and smear it on the four horns of the altar, the four corners of the upper ledge, and the curb that runs around the ledge. This will cleanse and make atonement for the altar. Then take the young bull for the sin offering and burn it at the appointed place outside the temple area. 
On the second day, sacrifice a sin offering, a young male goat that has no physical defects. Then cleanse and make atonement for the altar again, just as you did with the young bull. When you have finished the cleansing ceremony, offer another young bull that has new defects and a perfect ram from the flock. You are to present them to the Lord, and the priests are to sprinkle salt on them and offer them as burnt offering to the Lord. Every day for seven days, a male goat, a young bull, and a ram from the flock will be sacrificed as a sin offering. None of these animals may have physical defects of any kind. Do this each day for seven days to cleanse and make atonement for the altar, thus setting it apart for holy use. On the eighth day, and on each day afterward, the priest will sacrifice on the altar the burnt offerings and the peace offerings of the people. Then I will accept you. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.